What is going on, Empire Builders? You are on with me, Ryan Lee, today on the Cashflow Tactics Rise Up Live Free Podcast. And guys, Cashflow Tactics is about empowering you with money to become financially free in 10 years or less. So if that is interesting to you, then you're in the right spot. And today, today I have a message for you that can quite literally change your life because I know it changed my life. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory to the podcast that I'm going to be sharing with you today and, and the next episode as well. Uh, recently, we had a very unique opportunity to interview a mentor of ours. Uh, this mentor, his name, his name is Mark Patterson. Mark Patterson is an author, uh, a leader of a congregation out in Washington, D.C., and we came in contact with him through a book when we needed it the most. So to give you a little bit of backstory, Cashflow Tactics, as it exists today, uh, has been around since 2018, okay, 2018. Now, prior to Cashflow Tactics, we trained, taught, and educated people uh, on how to become financially free, but we saw so many results and so many people coming to us that we realized we had to really build an organized system, process, and really more than anything, a movement to help people get the result of financial freedom. So what we did is back in 2017, 2018, we took down our company, we stopped working with clients and we created and launched Cashflow Tactics. And Cashflow Tactics as it exists today, that is when we launched it. We started with a webinar and we really started helping people in mass achieve financial freedom. And it's been an amazing journey. But I want to give you the, the story behind the result because today you can listen to this podcast. You can go into our Facebook group. You can watch our webinars. You can buy real estate, set up your vault, all the things that we help people do. And we have massive success and results helping people do just that. But all of it was almost for naught. And here's why. Um, when we decided to launch this company, we were scared. I'll be honest with you. We were really scared to put ourselves out there, to become public figures, to uh, advertise, to do ads, to do webinars, to work with people in mass, to become you know, who we had to become to make the vision and the dream that we had a reality. We were scared. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, we were given a book uh, by a close friend of ours, uh, Brian Delaney, at the time that we needed Needed it the most. Brian handed us this book called Chase the Lion. And Chase the Lion is written by this author, Mark Batterson. And what it talks about is we, each one of us, have a God given dream. We have a purpose inside of us. And I think if we're quiet and still and, and uh, attentive enough, we all know that that is a universal truth. We all know that that is true. And oftentimes we bury that potential, we bury that you know gift that we have, and we tell ourselves we'll do it one day, or it's not for us, or that's you know crazy talk or whatever it might be, but we all have it, right? And I believe in the world that we live in today, problems exist for a reason, right? There's a lot of problems all around us. And the reason these problems seem to be compounding and growing is because we keep deferring the solution to the problems to governments, to businesses, when in reality, my friends, the solution to a problem is you. You have a talent that can solve a problem that exists in the world. And the longer you run from your unique ability, the longer that problem will exist and compound. And Today, it seems almost insurmountable because I believe so many people are asleep to their true authentic purpose. So back to the story of me almost being asleep and wanting to run away, uh, I picked up this book, Chase the Lion. And, and in this book, he talks about 
Um, really, in order to achieve something big, you have to have a vision that's so big that it's destined to fail without divine intervention. And when you bring in this divine intervention, you take a step forward in faith, whether it's a religious term or not, faith into the unknown, um, you then tap into this opportunity of really tapping into that divine intervention, of, of trusting in yourself, trusting in your p potential, trusting that you're going to make mistakes, and that's part of the process. And we read this book, and it gave each one of us the courage the courage to move forward and to chase down this crazy dream that has been and will continue to be cash flow tactics. And I'll, I'll tell you, once we each read this book, we called each other, we booked an immediate flight. We all met in San Diego and over the next three months, we put this together and we launched cash flow tactics. And it's been a roller coaster ride with a lot of highs, a few lows along the way, but it's been an amazing opportunity to chase this line, to chase this dream and to serve you at the highest level. I know we are just getting started. So my friends, Today, uh, we are going through an interview with Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson is an author of over 20 books, and if you haven't read his books, you should do just that. His books are highly motivational, highly inspirational, and I think they do a really good job weaving uh, your, you know, like spiritual concepts with just life, because in my opinion, it's all the same thing, right? So anyway, we invited Mark on this podcast. We did a podcast with him about a year ago when he released a book called Win the Day, and today we're going to be going through his newest book, The Framework for Doing It for a Day. And here's the cool thing, my friends. Um, winning the day is really a the small incremental wins that you can chalk up. Because launching cash flow tactics, there have been literally countless things that had to get done. And had we looked at those countless things in the beginning, we would have been overwhelmed and we would have stopped. But if we could just break everything down into one day at a time and no tentative, you know, no relatively where we're going, have a good enough vision of which direction we're running in, but focus on where our feet are planted today, the day, right? Then we can focus on winning the day one day at a time. And so the, today we're going to be going through a, his book, Do It For A Day, which is literally the framework of if you can win the day one day at a time, if you can just do it for a day, then you can do anything. So my friends, join us on the podcast where we get an opportunity to interview our friend and mentor, Mark Batterson. I know you're going to enjoy this. It is, yeah, man, it's going to change your life. Life. Anyway, join us on the podcast and we will dive into the conversation. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now, rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. Uh, for those of you um, that are on today, uh, you're in for a treat. You are in for an absolute treat. And our objective and goal is to close our mouths as much as we can close our mouths and let the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. Mark Batterson, take control of the conversation today. Because today, we're going to be talking about really the framework for winning in life. Um, it's these two books combined, Win the Day and Do It for a Day. So Mark, you want to say what's up to everybody, kind of introduce yourself. We talk about you all the time, so I feel like probably everyone here knows you, but you want to take some time on that? Well, hey, it's good to be back. Um, you know, you get an invitation to, uh, you know, be a part of 
uh, a call like this once, it's an honor. But if you get invited back, that means something good must have happened the last time. So, hey, we're, we're kindred spirits, like-minded, and uh, love who is on this call. Excited to talk about uh, habits, habit formation, and this idea of do it for a day. And uh, what a perfect time to do it here at the beginning of the year. So it's good to be back. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, Mark. I think that, you know, the last time we talked, you know, you had just come out with win the day. And I think it was, man, it's probably divine timing, right? And I'm just coming from you, I know that's exactly what it was. But, you know, the world kind of turned upside down, right, when this book came out. And I don't think it's gone right side up since, right? We're still upside down in many cases, right? And these two books... I really feel are the guiding lights to help people take control of the chaos that's all around them. So why don't you talk a little bit about your inspiration first and foremost for putting these two books out, what they're meant to do and how they serve people. Yeah, I, I might as well just get real, real quick. Uh, you know, I, I live in the same world that everybody else does. Well, actually I'm in DC, so it's, it might be a little bit crazier. Uh, so um, you know, the last two years, I, I would say, are the hardest years of leadership, uh, hands down. Um, but I also think this is when leaders lead. And I've had to work harder at self-leadership than I ever have because there, there's so much division, so much negativity. And listen, I don't even have to take sides today. You all know what I'm talking about. We, we live in a world that... Uh, man, you, you, you never know what's trending every other minute. Uh, there, there's so much noise. There's so much negativity. I've got to make sure that I'm leading myself well. That's where leadership starts. It starts with self-leadership. And I think uh, self-leadership starts with habits. And so I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I didn't have some really difficult days in the last year. But again, I would say that's where my habits serve me really well. Uh, habit number one, flip the script. Well, one of the best ways to put that into practice is to keep a, a gratitude journal. And so I, I'm locked and loaded. I'm going to find three things I'm grateful for every single day, no matter how bad a day it's going to be. Why? Because you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. Your focus determines your reality. And uh, by the way, I might as well put my cards on the table. You, you all, I think, know I wear a couple of hats. Uh, one of those is an author hat. Um, I write books early in the morning. You can see, can you tell this is a, re this is a real background? This isn't a fake background. <laughs> I, I, I like books. I like books a lot. You know, so many books, so little time. We're going to have um, to get you another bookshelf. It looks like you're running out of floor space there. I, I am so, I'm running out of four, floor space. I'm running out of ceiling space. Uh, if you saw, my wife walked into my office a couple of days ago and literally gasped, like, how do you get anything done? It's so, there's books everywhere. Um, and so I am about to move offices. It's kind of fun. We're, uh, We've got a major development here in D.C. We, we can pop back to this subject matter later, but we're building out a city block and uh, it, it's a unbelievable. It's 100,000 square foot, um, 130 year old uh, was a Navy Yard car barn where streetcars were repaired and rerouted in D.C. 
130 years ago. We own it. And, uh, and so we're building out everything from a child development center to a event venue, to a mixed use marketplace and having, having fun with it. So my office is actually moving over there here in a couple of months and hopefully I get a few more, uh, bookshelves, but so I, I wear the, I have a question for you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting um, what you do because, you know, I I would say if I if I just said your calling or your profession or whatever we want to call it, you're you lead people uh, on really a faith based journey, right? That's really what you're doing. But yet you've brought in all of these other elements from an event center, your community block, personal development development books on habit formation. Like, how, in your opinion, how does all of this coincide? to get people to your real core mission of living a faith-based life. Mm, Yeah. Well, I just uh, overarching comment that I feel like my purpose in life is is to help people uh, maximize their God-given potential. And I really feel like potential is our gift from God. What we do with it is our gift back to God. And, uh, and so you know, I, I do see myself as a spiritual coach uh, in a sense that, uh, and it's funny, I feel like my job is to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a two-sided coin. Um, but I, I find a lot of resonance. In fact, I did a life plan a couple of years ago with a life coach, but this idea of coaching um, is a, a huge piece of my puzzle. And that's that's really why this this uh, latest book, Do It For A Day, I had so much fun with uh, because I feel like I just, I love pushing people to their potential and even past it. And I don't know, am, am I, is something wrong with me that, that sometimes my wife laughs at me because I love an annual challenge. So last year it was biking a century and she laughs at me. She's like, why would you just go out and bike a hundred miles? Why even do that? Uh, a couple of years before that, it was running a, a marathon, but I like something that just pushes me past my, my limits. And I think, it, you know, maybe the way I'm wired, but my hunch is I'm on a call with people. You don't take time during the middle of the day out of your schedule to be on a call like this. If you're trying to maintain the status quo, I know who's on this call. You're, you're, you're pushing your limits. And, uh, and so I, I feel like, you know, that's a lot of what I try to do. And, and I would suggest that that takes a measure of faith, no matter what, what kind of faith matrix you live in, it takes some faith to push your limits. Why do you think as humans, right? Why, why do we re, why are we so reluctant to push our human, our, our, our boundaries and our limitations? Why do we get to this point where it's just good enough? We're comfortable enough. And, and cause I, I think your books really address that. And it's really, you know, building in this new, this new dream and vision and operating system, but why do we stop short of our, you know, this divine potential that we have? What are your thoughts on that? You, you know, my, my thought is that um, it's the negativity bias that, you know, studies have shown that we fear loss more than we want gain. Okay, just park there for a second. Like, this is huge. Most people uh, play not to lose rather than playing to win. In fact, can I just, can I zoom out and kind of geek out? Um, I, I know enough neurology to be dangerous, but, but what I'm about to share is accurate. 
that longitudinal studies have shown that there is a neurological shift in the cognitive center of gravity from the right brain to the left brain. Now, the right brain is the locus of imagination. This is when and where and how we dream. The left brain is the locus of logic. And the significance of that is this. At some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and we start living out of logic. We stop creating the future. We start repeating the past. We stop taking risks and we start living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. So the day you stop dreaming is the day you start dying. Now that may sound really abstract, but I have to fight that tendency in me um, because the tendency is, especially once you experience a measure of success, if you aren't careful, you start playing it safe. You start playing not to lose instead of playing the way that, that got you there. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to, some people, this is going to make you really happy and others really sad, but there was a, a big football game last night. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I don't know how, where everybody is on, on Georgia and Alabama, but you know, what drives me crazy is when a team is winning and then they go into their prevent defense, which doesn't prevent anything except for the other team scoring a touchdown. Yeah. I hate prevent defense, like keep playing offense. And so just a little word of exhortation there. Um, and uh, what, one, other, one other quick thought, and this might require some self-examination. Uh, years ago, I sat down with someone who was running for mayor here in D.C., and I, I asked them, how can I pray for you? How can I be in your corner? I'll never forget the answer. He said, pray that I don't let fear dictate my decisions. Hmm. Question, are you letting fear dictate your decisions or are you letting faith dictate your decisions? So, Mark, would you say that this 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 format that you put together, you know, the how to win the day and how to build these habits, doing it day by day, would that be the pathway to build more faith? I mean, constantly, consciously exercising it and eradicating that fear by doing it every single day. Is that kind of what you're what you're outlining here in this book? Yeah, you, you know, it starts with pick a habit, any habit, and then make it measurable, meaningful, maintainable, and we can maybe break that down a little bit. And, and let me just say for the record, there are some amazing books on habit formation out there. Um, I love atomic habits. I love the power of habit. I'm going to read everything I can get my hands on. I, I think part of what I bring to the table is, yeah, I bring a lot of psychology, a lot of neurology. Is it okay for me to say that I bring a little bit of theology to it as well? Because I really... Here's what I've learned. I don't care if it's a physical, relational, or spiritual habit. The thing I've realized is that habit formation is a form of spiritual formation. Let, let me rabbit trail here. And, and this is even for, you know, I don't make any assumptions about anybody on the call. And all of us have kind of a unique history. And that includes a unique sort of spiritual history. And so I don't want to ostracize anyone with what I'm talking about. But I find it fascinating that what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of this, this famous Sermon on the Mount, 
um, that even if you don't go to church or don't know the Bible, uh, you might be familiar with, with a, a few pieces of that puzzle, like uh, um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We call it the golden rule. Um, but here's what's interesting. I would argue that the Sermon on the Mount is about six counter habits. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile and give the shirt off your back. What Jesus is doing is he is reconditioning reflexes. He's interrupting the prompt. If someone slaps you, the tendency is to slap right back. No, he interrupts the pattern and then he helps create these counter habits uh, that include loving people that don't like you and blessing those who curse you. And so I, thanks for letting me kind of go on that rabbit well, trail. Um, one thing yeah. on that, Mark, I mean, you, you said just before you started that, the idea that don't let fear dictate our response, all of those counter habits, like if someone hits you, fear is going to say, hit them back or they're going to do it again. Right. Or if you fear is going to say, well, if I give him my shirt, I don't have a shirt now. But the only way to execute those counter habits is with faith that those will be provided, right? The lack that I give to those that hate will be returned unto me through faith. So I see those as faith prompters, right? If I'll do that, I'm now in a place of, I have to be in a place of abundance, right? And I have to then trust, I have to open up and it, it shifts me out of fear and into faith. Is that what you're drawn on here? Yeah, and I feel like you're you're opening the door. So let's just let's just go there. Uh, hurt people, hurt people. Healed people, heal people. Forgiven people, forgive people. Mm. Like you, it takes faith to exercise forgiveness. I am convinced. This is going to sound crazy, but I'm convinced that. For nine out of 10 people that are stuck in their lives, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, for nine out of 10 people, it's a forgiveness issue. And does anybody want to guess who it is that is the hardest person to forgive? <laughs> yep. Uh, I just saw a few people pointing to themselves. It's the person that looks back at you in the mirror. And so I, I think. It takes faith to exercise forgiveness. Um, you know, I, because we're talking cash flow tactics, can I just go, can I go financial for a second? Is that, that's okay, yes, right? Absolutely. Of course. So um, I, I, my wife and I practice something called uh, the tithe, where this is going to sound crazy, but we give the first 10% of our income to, causes that we care about and in particular um uh church that we uh, attend and that i get to leave now now i'll say this our ultimate goal is to reverse tithe to live off of 10 percent and give 90 percent. and so um and one way that we do this with every book contract i sign it's a little game uh and we have learned to up the ante uh, why don't we try double tithing? What if we went 50-50? What if we gave 80%? And we, we have so much fun. You, you can't take any of it with you. So why not do your giving while you're living? And, uh, and so 
but but I will say this at the very outset of you know when we're newlyweds and barely making ends meet anybody else on this call used to just you, you'd put two dollars of gas in your car because that's all you could afford it would it would get you around the block a few times I mean we were we used to go on vacations and we would put x amount of cash in an envelope and when that cash ran out the vacation was over um so i'm i'm not i'm not at all a guy that you know we 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 started out in a place where we pinch pennies and we still steward every penny but um by faith what we've learned to do is give a greater measure and uh it, it's been one of the greatest joys of our life and i'm just throwing that out there I'm happy to dig into that a little bit, but well, I you know, wanna, I, I, I think, uh, yeah. I want to capitalize on that on you on that with you just a little bit, Mark, because I think last time we did this call about a year and a half ago, you challenged us to to not make financial goals, to, but to make contribution goals, right? And the objective is how much are you going to give? Then you can reverse engineer how much you're going to make and all that other kind of stuff. I think that was a revolutionary shift in the way we operate personally. And then with Cashflow Tactics, we, that's, that's a very, very powerful concept because the harder we give, it's crazy. The, the more we get, like we're, we just receive more and more abundance. And it's not always financial. It's not dollars in, dollars out, but it's, it's the, that law of reciprocity, right? And I think that's what the law of tithing really, really um, solidifies in someone is giving first and then having the faith, as you talked about, that, that, it's going to be taken care of. You're going to be taken care of throughout the process. And that's been super powerful for me. My personal goals aren't how much I'm going to make, it's how much I'm going to give, knowing I have to mm. make more than I'm going to give to, to sustain life. Yeah, so that's it. That's that. it. Yep. That's, I mean, that's at the heart of it that, you know, I know we're both goal setters mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I, I shared the, the last time how going from getting goals to giving goals was the game changer. Yeah. that, okay, we probably to hit these giving goals, we're going to have to make a little bit more, but it totally changes the, uh, the focal point. And, uh, and it's fun. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm sitting in our, uh, in my office right above Ebenezer's coffee house, which we own and operate on Capitol Hill. And part of what has made this business endeavor so fun is that we give every penny of profit to causes that we care about, including our dream center over in ward seven in DC. And, uh, it's a really unique business model. Um, but uh, it, it's so it's a for profit. It's structured as a for profit business, but literally, I mean, you could call it a nonprofit because all of that profit gets fueled back into causes that we care about. And so we call it coffee with the cause. And, uh, you know, that that might just sort of seed a few ideas um, in, in folks hearts and minds. Uh, I just thought it was probably worth sharing that. Well, I have, a, I have a question for you on, on this and, and starting to put this into practice because, you know, the last couple of months we've been talking a lot about human psychology and you are very, very uh, good at talking about that conversation. You know, a lot of times our conscious desires, whether it's have more faith, go to church, pay a tithe, you know, become financially free, go, not go into debt, whatever it is, our conscious desires don't align with our subconscious programming, our, our, our inner identity that in many cases was developed before we had the ability to determine what we wanted in our subconscious mind, right? And you talk mm. a lot about that inside of your books. 
Why, from a faith-based perspective, why is it so difficult to get our conscious and our subconscious lined up? And why isn't that talked about more in the faith community and the finance community and the world at large? I mean, no one talks about that. Oh, man, how much time do we have today? Let's get it. <laughs> as long as you're willing to be here. Um, yeah, that's, I, I mean, long story short, we have two natures in us. And, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the comics, it's the, the good angel and the, the not so good on the other shoulder. But there, there's the reality. We all have a selfish streak. We all do but we all have an altruistic streak as well. Like there, there's, and so I, I think um, somehow maybe a starting point would be um, how do you define success? What is success for you? Mm. Is that, um, yeah, what, have you ever defined success for yourself? Well, I, I had to do it a couple of years ago because I, I felt like I was chasing things that maybe weren't what I really wanted to chase. And so for me, success is when those who know me best respect me most. And that's my wife and my kids. And so I started prioritizing and organizing and strategizing. Um, you know, I only take seven outside speaking trips a year these days. I used to be going everywhere all the time because every opportunity was an amazing opportunity. And I realized, no, I want to be famous in my home. And it's hard to be famous in your home if you're never home. And so I had to do kind of the hard work of, you know, I, I think if you aren't careful, your, your default setting is going to be whatever culture defines as success. But I, I'm not sure that that's the definition we all want. Uh, I, I think there are things that we, we've got to do the hard work of here's, here's success for me. And for me, it's not how many people I lead. It's not how many books I write or sell. It's about do the people who know me best respect me most? And am I a better person in private than I am in public? Or at least the same person? Am I the same person? Um, so I think doing the hard work of, you know, Stephen Covey, you know, famously said, uh, so many people are so busy climbing the ladder of success, they fail to realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> I mean, is that not half of half of our culture? Let's oh. make sure that we're climbing the right wall. And, and that means having these goals, having these objectives, operating out of convictions. This is who we are. This is what we're trying to accomplish. I think, you know, and I, I hope that doesn't sound too abstract. I literally would encourage you come up with a definition of success. Um, figure it out. What is that? for you put it in your own words and if tattoo it on yourself if, if you're that kind of person or if you'd rather just make a little frame sign and put it above your door as a reminder but whatever it is you've got to figure out what success is for you and then constantly remind yourself so that you keep your priorities uh, in alignment 
one of the things I love that you talk about that with that mark and, and my objective is inside of cash flow tactics, every single person has all of your books, right? I know we're talking about do it for a day, but let's go to circle maker for a minute. And let's Jimmy, if we had your bookshelf, like your entire bookshelf is taken up with all the books, right? I so, yeah, Mark, you have, uh, like it, I'm trying to point it out back of yours, but you have a full shelf in our, to include all the kids books too. You got a full shelf <laughs> at, at our house. Yep. I, I feel like I like should that. be, I feel like I should be paying rent at your house, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I just get a book of the month club, something of that nature. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But, I, but like, Mark, like I am, I'm not a fast reader. And like what I say, you know, you have a saying that if you work long enough, long enough, smart enough, hard enough in the same direction, it'll pay off. And I'm like, uh, you know, I made an Instagram video about your books yesterday and I'm just like five pages a day. Like you can become very well read. Yep. Yep. That's it right there. And, and I, I will say, um, I have two books that aren't divided into chapters. They're divided into days. One of them is draw the circle, the 40 day prayer challenge. And I felt like I wanted to do the same thing for do it for a day. Because you, I'd, I'd rather just read a little one day at a time to kind of keep that constant clip, that motivation level. Just, I, I want to be in your business every day for just five pages. Just give me eight, 10 minutes a day and see if 30 days later, we can't get you closer to making and breaking the habits that'll make or break you. So I, I, I appreciate, and I, by the way, I'm not a fast reader either. I read a lot, but I don't read fast. I, I actually, if it's a good book, sometimes I'll chew on that thing for uh, weeks on end because I want to absorb it as opposed to just kind of getting to the end of it. You know, Mark, a couple of things on that. One of uh, one of the a, a coach that we had way early on when we were starting this business, he talked about this idea of reading to revelation. Like, don't mm. read just to five pages or X amount of time. Read to revelation, and if that takes you an hour, if it takes you one minute, like as soon as your mind has captured an idea from what you read, whether it came from the words or just came from divine inspiration, that's when you stop. And then you go do something with that revelation. And I think that's mm. a powerful concept as well as read to revelation. But I want to share yeah. one thing with the audience um, just to help on the goal list. And this came from the circle maker. And you talk about this idea of creating a life, not of possessions, but of experiences. And this was revolutionary for me because I have always been a goal setter, but they're always the milestones, the achievements, the things, but you involve people, you involve people with your experiences. So I, I think that was powerful because I still want to do all these amazing things, but why not bring my son, my daughter, my wife and, and create and craft these experiences with other people instead of just me going out and doing whatever it might be. So it's a powerful concept in living a well-rounded life, but living it with other people. Yeah, it's otherwise you get to the finish line and it's so lonely. <laughs> what fun is it if, uh, if you don't have someone to celebrate with uh, at the end of the day. And so I think adding a, a relational component to those goals is so critical and, um, and it, and, and it's insurance against those goals, just being very self-centered or all about me, myself, and I, I, I think that relational component uh, makes it much more of a, 
unselfish endeavor to go after. And so, and I do live by this little mantra, don't, don't accumulate possessions, accumulate experiences. And, uh, and so I, I will drop a dime. I'm, I'm, I'll drop a dime on an experience. We, we, you know, we live within our means, um, my, my wife and I, uh, but when it comes to experiences, I'll drop a dime because I, I love um, this idea of just living life to the full. And part of that is, is those experiences that you go after with other people. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less? Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join. I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.